This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Doug Dumars. I'm the founder and CEO of Drink Rebellious. What I love about retail is the way you can directly impact consumers through the many touch points and the ever-changing strategies to reach consumers, especially at the when and where they're most likely to purchase. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Welcome, everybody, to Retail is Your Business. It is your business. It's ours, too. I'm Mark Rako, one of your hosts, and uh, I'm in business on this show with Rebecca Fitz. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. How Hello. Are you? How are you? I am, I am doing okay. Thank you very much. I'm. Uh, this is one of those weeks that I'm. Uh, everything that's been going on is starting to catch up with me, and uh, it's it's less of a breeze than it has been. So getting everything done, but it's uh, it's taking more of a toll. This is actually one of those weeks. I don't usually quote look forward to the weekend unquote because <laughs> I kind of work on the weekend anyway. It's just all one and the right. same. This weekend, I think I'm kind of looking forward to the weekend. Very nice. I'm gonna take that moment. Yeah. Beat. Well, we're in New York, and and the weather has not cooperated either. Monday was real. Uh, you know, when I talked to some of my vendors, they were like the winter or the weather is not helping our our boost for the week so you know i almost wonder you would almost think unless it was horrible it would poorer weather might help but people <laughs> would be going you know instead of like being out in the park they would say well let's go shopping right but i guess that maybe that isn't the way it nah. works so uh how, how's your uh your shopping been lately have you have you been out and about and doing your uh your gold star shopping? Well, maybe not actual shopping, but I'm certainly out and about seeing who's open, who's got lines, who's about to open, things like that. So, um, and there's there's still momentum in the city of New York. So, we got to keep yeah. going. So, I guess this is a about time we bring uh, Doug Demars into the conversation. Doug, welcome to the show. So happy you're you're here. Thanks a lot. Can't wait to talk about your company. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. One thing. I would love to ask you is sort of, you know, with a name like Rebellious, how you may view your own self as a rebel uh, <laughs> in the work that you're doing. Uh, you know, whether or not the name of the company has to do with who you are, I'm interested in where you think the you being a rebel has intersected with carving out a CPG product. For us, you know, it's... It's the fact that we're actually kind of going against the norm, right? Um, there's behemoths out there, Pepsi, Cokes of the world. I worked for Pepsi for nine years. So there's just that nature of launching a beverage company in, in knowing the belly of the beast, right? You know, knowing what it's up against, what the retail landscape is, et cetera. And the, to be honest with you, you know, rebellious is really, you know, part of our DNA. You know, we, we really want to bring something innovative and different and really tackling that consumer that is looking for things in a different, different light, you know, looking to challenge the status quo. They want healthier options. They want cleaner things. We know that trend's been going on for some time, but at the end of the day, how can we challenge the traditional distribution method of beverages to a degree, right? Powders have been out there for a while and they've declined, you know, or on a decline over time. You know, there, there's probably some 
pockets that have been able to do better with it recently. But overall, they've been kind of on a decline, mostly because of the ingredients that are in there. It's low priced. It's it's really filler. It's it's a it's an additive to water. What we're delivering is an organic, healthy. Um, liquid, you know, single serve option that you just add to water with five simple ingredients um, just for you guys to see. It's about the size of your business card. Because it's in this very lightweight, portable function, we can be in any retail outlet. We aren't limited to food drug mass, which is typically every beverage company that's out there, right? Uh, so we can be anywhere. Uh, and that's what makes this a little bit different for us, a little bit more rebellious from that standpoint. The other piece is we, we also want to be very true to, to the consumer and, and what they're getting. And we want to, you know, really stand behind it. So we measure this level of health benefits we get. We use antioxidants as that benchmark uh, from our green tea. It's a green tea-based product. Most of them, there's two flavors that aren't, but most of them, and there's a tremendous amount of health benefits coming from green tea. But even even though it's the most consumed beverage on the planet next to water, there's a lot of people that don't like the taste of tea. We, we've broken that. We've completely unlocked mm-hmm. it. We've made our rebellious infusions super healthy, super beneficial, great tasting. Uh, and the fact that these are in a, in a liquid concentration uh, degree level, you can add it to anything. Water, obviously, that's the whole the reason we made it. And we designed it around ice water. But you can put it in oatmeal. You can put it in other baking things. I mean, I'm finding stuff all the time. And not to mention it's nice with cocktails and some other things as well. So now you can go with, uh, you know, without having a mojito, without having a thousand calories of sugar. So you there's just a got lot of attention. options. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. I, On the green tea taste, it does taste like grass to me. Like I'm I'm a cow. Um, so it's interesting. What? Um, <laughs> I'm with you. I know. I want to I want to yeah. like it. I want to be this. Me but, too. you know, it just. Um, so how are you getting around um, the flavor and, and still keeping it natural? Yeah, we've got a great flavor house that we've um, been affiliated with for some time. I knew him before I started this, not through business, through networking, actually. You know, so I met some people that, you know, that, and, you know, we when I we started, we decided to come, you know, bring Rebellious to market. You know, they were my first call. I said, hey, how can we, how, how can you guys help us do something here? Because we want to keep it with minimum ingredients and we we don't want to have any artificial of any kind in there and we want to have it certified organic and um keto and paleo i mean every everything it really fits and how do we do that and and you know the, the second step was after knowing that we had the tea as the source and we had a supplier for that that measures our deliverable for us and there's only one company at the time, there's one. Now there might be two, but I don't think they measure their levels of polyphenol still, which is the healthy side of, of tea. And um, for us, you know, we had that. And then we went with we decided early on with research that we wanted to use monk fruit as the this quote sweetener, you know, for a touch of sweetness. We didn't want it to be overbearing, but a touch of sweetness. And then from there it was, okay, flavor house, let's make this work. Let's, let's, how do we do a strawberry kiwi? How do we do a blood orange? How do we do a, you know, a mint, you know, and then can we do a, a blend of spearmint and peppermint, which is what we have, which is really unique and dynamic. And, and uh, ironically, that's the one, cause we have a touch of lemongrass too. So that's the one that's probably closer to tea because it has a little bit of the lemongrass. So it kind of brings that earthier component back but we have peach that's uh you know the the most the number one flavor outside of you know you know flavored tea there is and lemon as well um and then uh just recently we we've taken that same green tea 
base. So those these five flavors have about 300 milligrams of antioxidants. And we measure that. We put it on the box. That's polyphenols. That's from green tea, which are the real healthy benefit that come through. And kind of a sense on what that means when you drink, a, when you steep tea, whether it's loose leaf or a bag, when, when you have green tea and it's in there a lot longer than you normally do and it starts to get more bitter and tasting, because at times you'd no, you would notice that, that's when the healthy benefits are actually coming through. And nobody drinks it at that point. So you're you're not even measuring it and you're probably not drinking, you know, to the level to get that. So the, the, a lot of the science that comes out behind the health benefits of green tea, most companies aren't delivering it. And then the ready to drink bottle companies are all processing that out for production because it's a lot easier to do it without. Um, and they definitely don't. There isn't a tea company that measures it. Um, so we don't call ourselves, you know, tea anywhere on our package. It's rebellious infusions. It's, you know, it's fun. It's we got pictures of fruit kind of splashing in, in the water. And, and it's really about healthy hydration, you know, immune support that comes through that, with it. And we just took our just this past year, we launched three more flavors with green tea, and we came out and we have them as pure energy. So we we brought down the antioxidants a little bit from 300 to about 100, took up the caffeine. In our first five, we have about 45 milligrams of caffeine, took it up to about 100 milligrams of caffeine. So we went from basically your teacup to a coffee cup, if you think about it, or a, a diet soft drink to, you know, a, a low-end energy drink, you know, at that end. And we're pure energy. The whole point of that is, again, five ingredients, organic, nothing artificial. This isn't meant to give you that immediate spike and then a fall off, that, that crash that often happens with energy drinks or even the caffeine headaches. It's all natural caffeine. It drives really a focused energy. You, you, you start to see yourself a little more alert, a little more focused energy to it. Um, we, we're in a number of uh, professional athletes use our product. Uh, through some dietitians and whatnot. And the one thing that I, I caution the trainers and, and folks when I talk to them is you're not going to, your players aren't going to get this like rush of energy and the jitters or anything like that. If it works the way it should for them, they probably won't even notice that it's impacting them other than unless they normally get tired or, or, or whatnot. So that's the beauty of what we're able to do. So not only is it good for athletes or individuals or people or just working at home and that afternoon siesta hits and, and you know, you want that little bit of, you know, focus there because it's a mundane task or whatever. But the reality is it can be used at any age level too. And that's the beauty of it because it's, it's super for the, things like that. The days of Red Bull and 24 hour drinks are, are going out the window. I mean, they went, I, I, I never so. use yeah. them, but um, I, I definitely had a yeah. crew. And even as we got a little older, sometimes I'd be like, do you even know it's a sugarless Red Bull? Do you really want to have that? Um, right. It, yeah. <laughs> how, how can that be good exactly. for you? I, I, well, yeah. on that note, Doug, uh, great point, Rebecca. Um, it does seem to me that there is this sudden rise of these kind of drinks. And I'm not saying this is You're... the first year ever these have existed. <laughs> um, you know, in fact, just in the last month alone uh, or or a couple months alone, uh, on this show, we interviewed someone, with, uh, one of the people with Cure Hydration. I interviewed uh, someone uh, with, uh, or we interviewed someone with uh, eBoost, founder of eBoost on another show. And, and there's lots more out there that have been rising up, each in their own lane. Uh, uh, and, and I definitely see how you, you, you know, you, you're separated from the pack and, you know, you, you got your own place in the world with your product question is looking at this in terms of the retail environment, what do you think is driving this surge 
of you know why why is suddenly drinking water not enough for us? Uh, and I mean, I mean, this is a serious question. I'm not being facetious. Um, how much of this is in response to an actual need that it's who can get the biggest market share versus starting to create a need by the existence of the products? And it's sort of like if we create it, people will come because they didn't realize they needed this. And now that this is available, they're going to want it. How much, where, where are you on that scheme? What is driving this? Yeah. My, 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 uh, perception of, of what's caused this shift that we're seeing in the landscape today is twofold is really twofold. It is, it's nothing that happened just recently. It's, it's the first part of this is I really think these larger companies that dominated the space from a market share, from a messaging standpoint, et cetera. And it's the Pepsi that I worked for for many years. It's the Cokes, it's, yeah, it's other beverage companies, you know, that, that are out there as well. Um, these large companies, and I worked for two really large ones in my career, have a hard time kind of turning the ship in a direction where consumers want to take it. They kind of force feed the the stuff that they have. And that was one of the things that I picked up on um, in my last couple of years when I was working for Kraft Foods, is we did some, in the categories I oversaw from a finance standpoint, um, we did a lot of work with consumers and we were kind of coming out to this more need, the need for customization, uh, smaller portions so that they could use it for two or three times and, and you know, discard it. Uh, things like that, that, that they want to be able to do a little bit different. And the, the driving force is really that, that individualism and that customization. So we take that to heart here on what I'm doing because now I've taken it to a whole nother level. The, because these large beverage companies to stay in the beverage lane here, um, you know, constantly kind of stay where they are. And, and, in a little bit of their defense, they've tried new things, right? I mean, we all know what happened with New Coke, and we all know what happened with some other stuff. The problem is, is that those aren't those were more cost-driven things or marketing-driven things to try to bump a sales number rather than meet a need for the consumer. It wasn't a need-based change; it was more of a company need-based change, if you follow me on that. So that's pre predicated this quite a bit. There have been the powders and the sticks. I mean, Crystal Light's been around for how long, right? You know, that was probably one of the early ones that have come out, you know, Kool-Aid, you know, from a powder standpoint, right? That's been around for a hundred years. So there are those things that have been out there, but again, those aren't meeting a need for the consumer. So now as the last, I don't know, what we're, we're in 2021, so... 10 years, the focus really started or more, you know, when Whole Foods kind of really started to gain this mass of, you know, following and opening up more and more stores to, for organic and when consumers are starting to look for healthier and better options. So how do you kind of do that? And from a beverage standpoint, you start to see quite a bit and many of them launch in bottling cans. So that, that, that I mean, buy came out, what, eight and nine years ago, right? So, and look how big they are now. And they're perceived to be one of the more healthier options, but they still have some things in their ingredient line that you you could argue about the the path of the recent trend i think is trying to salvage you know the the low low barrier cost to go into into the marketplace and right now that's powders right going by powders is definitely the lowest cost it's it's the cheapest to pull together that's why you see so many companies pulling powders together and they're all trying to get their little niche on Okay, it's electrolytes. Okay, it's um, it's a vitamin. Okay, it's it's the emergency play, you know, with zinc and vitamin D, et cetera, and things like that. So knowing that that was kind of happening, and knowing that we could come into this place, and knowing that the green tea space is still growing, but yet the consumer isn't widely accepted of it. I mean, when was the last time 
any, uh, I can speak for myself. When was the last time I ever, knowing all these products we've had, gone into a convenience store saying, hey, I'm thirsty. What am I going to get? And I have, I've never gotten a tea ever because I'm thirsty. Well, that's kind of that problem, right? It doesn't really solve any hydration needs. It doesn't solve any of this. There's a taste profile associated with some of it, um, et cetera. So how do we solve that and deliver the healthy function out of it? And right now we're playing to your point in a lane that I'm not seeing a lot of innovation in, you know, targeting what we're doing. Yes, there's some other things out there that are similar, but different. But at, at the end of the day, I personally think this is one of those where let a let a company X or company Y continue to market, right? And then we come in and market. It's one of those where it kind of raises that perception for everybody. And and it's, it's the the real test is being where the consumer is willing to buy at the, at that time. And that that's the challenge that all of, all of the companies have in place in front of them, and, and we're trying to solve as well. Um, but it all starts with a great tasting product because there's a lot of stuff out there that doesn't taste great. You got to have good tasting product, in my opinion. I've been in the space for a long time, and and, uh, and that's how it sustains. Well, rule one for any product, I would say, uh, especially in retail, is have a product somebody wants. Yep. So that's always that's always a good feature. Uh, the, uh, the other side of our antioxidant play that we're playing in with the benefits and the immune support, um, we have a geneticist uh, friend of ours, a friend of the company, um, and uh, he did a little research when we were getting close to rolling this out. And uh, the entire population base is, is deficient in, in um, antioxidants. Uh, in their in their system, it's it's a naturally occurring product in your body. When you have a hard workout or a longer workout, you burn more of that off. It's necessary for the body to fight diseases and fight things. There's a natural kind of take for that to go in, so that just kind of moved uh, moved the needle from what we were doing a little bit more, as as well as uh, the healthy hydration. Let 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 us bring a product that's actually functional and working for you, rather than just gut fill like so many other products that are out there. If you run a brick and mortar store, guess what? You have a problem. Retail storefronts can't drive immediate conversion and you can only have so many shoppers inside safely. Any hours you're closed, you can't make sales there. And if you make product, your product packaging is static by nature. It can't be continuously updated, which limits the consumer experience. The next time your customer might interface with you, is probably when they need to buy something else sometime in the future. Even more importantly, retail storefronts and product packages both lack a human connection. Are you able to tell the same stories in your own voice to your customers like you used to in the past? Social distancing, the move to commerce, or you've just grown beyond that opportunity? You need to take a look at StoryDot. Engaging the customer throughout their journey from store to website to product packaging, StoryDot supports a quick, contact-free, physical-to-digital transition, letting you tell your story to the customer and enable them to take action and motivate them to share that story on social media. No matter where that customer is, they can hear the exact story you need them to hear. And that can convert into sales and elevate their experience and turn them into your marketers when they share on social media. And key user data is generated providing more mapping of the relationship with customers. You need to see StoryDot in action and explore how StoryDot can connect the dots between you and customers. 
So visit www.storydot.com. That's www.storidot.com. I think this is still a fair question, um, and I'm dreaming of these times. Um, but lunch used to be one of my favorite meals when I went to an office. Um, one, because I would leave the office. I had lots of choices because I was in Manhattan. I sometimes would just go to the deli, and you know, my eyes would cross when I went to the beverage section because there were so many choices. And I certainly am one of these people who would say, hey, this looks new, and it looks like it tastes good, and i try it, and it, you're completely right. If it didn't taste good, you never had it again. Um, and if it did, it kind of became your your regular thing. Um, so in, you know, going into physical retail, we know it tastes good. We know it's, a, it's different. Um, and also you do you've already talked about kind of, you can go into any kind of retail, but how do you stand out, you know, when somebody is in front of that cash register or that beverage, uh, cooler that's got all those different colors coming at it, almost like a, a candy cabinet. You're 100% right. And that's one of the lessons we learned last uh, about 18 months ago when we, we launched the company on e-commerce. Uh, very small launch, very subtle, just to get a few things. We did not push hard at any stretch, but we went to about eight or nine convenience stores and friends of the company, people we knew. Locations where no matter how bad it performed, we knew it wasn't going to hurt us to come back again. One of those kind of friends of the friends that I'm talking about, right? So we we wanted to test a couple of different things. We tested our colors on our countertop display. We tested the size of it. We wanted to make sure it was durable enough. And as the color and the rainbow of choices at a counter, and especially a convenience store, but a deli has the same concept. I mean, all this is amazing. And, and I, that's a different lens for me because I'm used to the cooler and the Pepsi days and, you know, Kraft didn't have hardly any products in the convenience space, but, you know, looking through. So we came back and we've, you know, we have a really pop, stands out, it really pops countertop tray that holds all 10 of our flavors. That's, that's less than a half a size of a sheet of paper. Take a sheet of paper, fold it in half lengthwise. It holds a hundred servings. 10 packets of each, 10 flavors. Um, and it really stands out. And then uh, you can maybe see over my shoulder a little bit. I have this. So the answer to the question for the audience, because they can't see our pictures, is that <laughs> that you really need to bring really solid POS and, you know, and attention grabbing things that drive that. The consumer only has seven tenths of a second that they're glancing at things. And when it's in a crowded space like a deli or a convenience store, it's probably even less. I don't even know what the, the science is behind that now. But you need to get them from that to actually touching, holding, being interested in your product to move forward, especially if they've never seen it or tried it before. Um, but the, the beauty now is, you know, in the last 20 years, digital advertising has completely taken off, right? So consumers are seeing things at a very different function. Before it was billboards and bus stops, right? That was how you did it. And it wasn't the first time they saw it. It was the seventh, eighth, ninth. Well, that concept still sits there. It's just that now you can reach them everywhere. So be a digital. And it's, it's really about bringing, you know, 
engaging POS that really drives what it is. And then from our standpoint, because we're in a packet, it's a little bit about what is it. So we want to have, you know, really, really good graphics that show, I know this isn't a good example, but it shows that it's that it's pouring into into a packet, right? You just pour it in. So on, on our POS that holds our four packs back here, we have a picture of it pouring into a bottle, calling out the immune system support, the antioxidants. And uh, so they, they, they capture that immediately. They know what it's for and what they do with it. And then from that point, so there's things that help with that. And uh, that's some of the benefit I bring for my corporate world, you know, some of the best companies in the world, that's what they brought to market and that's how they drove it. So we're able to bring that to retailers as we start rolling out this year uh, in, in the retail trade. So, it's, so how, uh, how, how much of a, I want to expand on that a little bit. Uh, what, what, I, you know, you, you show up at a, at a, at a new retail uh, outfit and say, Hey, we have this product. We'd love you to put on your shelves. Um, what exactly are you going to give them or what are the ways that you're able to support for a company of your size? Yep. Uh, and, and can you give us an idea of your size, whatever you're willing to share? So we have some sense of how many stores you're in or how large your, you know, your, your revenue stream is or anything that you can share that gives a sense of that. We're really small. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. So no about, judgment. Just... We're in about 30 outlets right now. Uh, okay. We're, we're, we're in more than that. We're in, we're in closer to 40. We're in, you know, 25 airports. We're in a bunch of okay. great time to be in an airport. Right. I mean, but well, it, they're hard to get in and, you know, the conversation happened as things were getting a little bit better and, and yeah. hopefully it'll continue. Uh, but, uh, but um, yeah, our strategy was not to go to brick and mortar from the beginning. Mm-hmm. from a from a retail standpoint we made okay. some significant inroads in the hotel space and lodging okay uh, well we started to go down a path with universities uh and then covid came so we we yeah, had okay. this path where let's build up our distribution points let's still be in 10 20,000 outlets yeah. physical outlets but they're just not the Kroger's of the world or Walmart of the world, right? That you typically would go for beverages. Let's build this up because that's also a trial vehicle for us, right? You're a captive audience. It's that whole on-premise. That's why yeah. the Pepsis and Cokes have these exclusive contracts everywhere like that so that they have everybody having only that product at their restaurants or at their arenas or at their at their hotels and things like that. So there's a path there that we were doing very well. COVID came, shifted that a little bit. Now we're focusing a little more on the C-store space, uh, as well as, you know, some smaller kind of chain grocery stores. I'm still not targeting going to a Kroger or a Walmart right now. I, I, there's, there's a scaling exercise that I've seen, and I've seen it kill companies as well as you go through. Can we be everywhere? Absolutely. Does my supply chain allow that to happen? Absolutely. We can scale to whatever. We can be in 20,000 outlets you know, within eight weeks. Um, I can make that happen. But it's, it's a matter of making sure it turns, making sure the velocities, consumer demands there, all that stuff. And it's the right the right POS that works, as you mentioned, like the sea of colors and, and everything. How does that really yeah. work for them? So what we've developed to answer your question, what they get is in a convenience space, you know, not only do they get a, a four pack display that really pops, it hangs off the a shelf. It's incremental to everything they have. There's always opportunity to put that in. So it kind of ties it all together right then and there. Uh, they also get static clings for the door, both the door to walk in as well as the coolers where the water is. They We have POS available for on top of pumps or signage outside. All, all really, you know, high end quality stuff that drives the consumer awareness to say, hey, you know, think about this when you come in. Um, from a large format standpoint, we have a couple other vehicles within store. We're still not looking to be 
taking up shelf space in a grocery store. This is still incremental. So we've got some really cool stuff that would be kind of hanging off a shelf that, that would be for them that calls out the product for, for, for uh, folks, as well as by the register, some options. And then of course that signage can, you know, where and will they'd be willing to translate that to, we'd be able to do that as well. And you said something really important at the very, very top of this, which is you went into some convenience stores that were kind of friends and family. Um, so you de-risked going in or tried to mitigate as much risk in going into Absolutely. kind of brick and retail. And I play that game every day in my you know, other, other life. Um, and I do think that's really important just because retail is so dynamic. Um, and, and you've just begun. Well, the last thing you want to do is go into, you know, a chain that has a thousand stores, right? right? That you've been dying to get in. It's like, oh, this is the Holy Grail. It's going to set us up. It's going to do this. And then it doesn't work, right? right? Or, or or the execution to get it on shelf because you can't physically be in every single store, right? We're not a DSD company, so you can't control that in-house. And then it just doesn't execute. It doesn't turn. They look at it and they go, hey, there's... As you pointed out, Mark, there's, you know, other entries coming in that we can use that space for or whatever. And then what are the chances of going back into that? Slim to none anytime soon. You know, you got to be really big at that point. Then it comes, you bring it back, you know, but it, again, they aren't helping you make that, you know, climb that, you know, mountain and click that flywheel going, right? And that's the important behind it. Do these sold by packet or does it come in a box? Yeah. So we've got a couple of different things. So on our, on our physical retail side, we sell four packs. Uh, so there's four of them in here, okay. four uh, of them in a pouch or four, four individuals in there. We also sell a, uh, and the, the retailer can sell these individually at the counter. So we have them in a 10 count box that they just pull one out of the top. So that you can buy just one and it's, we target that about a dollar 50 from a retail standpoint. You know, every retailer is going to have it. It's going to move it a little bit, but that's the kind of the yeah. target range dollar and a quarter to a dollar 50, uh, from an e-commerce standpoint, we sell 12 packs in a slightly larger, you know, package. But okay. So so someone buys a single package in a store. They go, hey, that's cool. Uh, that's a new thing for me. I like the signage. I, just what I was looking for. I'll try that, whatever, right? Impulse buy, whatever it may be. How do you convert that person from buying that packet to deciding to come to e-commerce and buy a 12-pack? Yeah, or come back again and buy a larger or one. Or come back again and buy a right? larger. Yeah. But but also but also since since I mean they could buy as many as they can throw in their shopping cart, I guess, or whatever. But what I mean is is there there's a there's a psychological block, obviously, of buying, you know, fifty single packs feels like I'm buying a lot of stuff. But one fifty pack box feels like I'm buying one thing. And, and that gives me a lot of value. So how how are you thinking about being able to convert that person into buying a larger amount as opposed to they'll only buy a little amount each time they're in that store and they happen to think about it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, we, we, po we pose this internally to how do we get them to go from physical to digital, right? That's, that's the marketing yeah. tactic that we're after. So we, we had a few things that we've tested, um, whether it's QR codes at the register, whether it's in-store promotion type things that, you know, for, for locations. But at the end of the day, that's the challenge that everybody has, you know, trying to get mm -hmm. them into that digital space. So what we're, what we try to do is, you know, really kind of like once they pick it up there, you know, the, the other drawback and ours and sticks and everything else, but because we're liquid, it's a little bit more, you know, once you pour this in, you're going to toss this, 
so there's no more branding behind us. At least with the four-pack, you throw this in your bag and you, you look at it again, et cetera. So, and, and this was a conscious thing we knew from day one that this was going to be there. This is why everybody's in a bottle or a can, right? Because they have that the residual branding behind, you know, whether that's five minutes or all day long, that, that's there. Um, and, and that's something that challenges every stick company or every 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 single serve there. The, the other piece is we still need to have the single serve because it's a trial vehicle. And as the convenience channel or the deli or, or a lot of these places, the consumer still thinks of it as a single use. I'm, I'm thirsty now. I want to drink mm -hmm. now. I have my Contigo mm -hmm. or my water with me or whatever it is. And I want to, you know, I want to, um, I want something but water. Or I want, I want to enhance yeah. to it. And so we still need to have that play because next thing you know, to your point, while the value might be there to get more, it's still a, do a higher dollar ring. Right. So if you buy a sandwich for eight or nine dollars and then you pay another buck 50 or so for a drink to go with it, you know, you already know you're spending, you know, 10, 12 dollars for your lunch in New York. It might even be higher. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's, it's 10 or 12 dollars for a can of soda in New York. But, you know, but, uh, but when you add in a four pack on top of that, now that price tag goes up even steeper and people think of it as, okay, you know, it's better. like, hey, my transaction, my lunch just cost me 15 or 20 dollars. And that's not what I can afford to do every course, day. But the reality is they got four or three other drinks with it. It was really no different on the on the back in the day in the Pepsi side. You know, they the Pepsi and Coke mm -hmm. pricing was always the same for many, many years. They finally increased pricing because of the, the perceived ceiling on the consumer. So great. I see it's got the immunity boost in it. Um, and I'm assuming this was in production or being invented prior to the pandemic. So that wasn't something that aligned me because, uh, by the way, I talked to, you know, there, are, when it first, when the pandemic first hit, people were like, are you taking zinc? Are you boosting your immunity? And, you know, it was like a real conversation, probably still happening, just not with me. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I mean, we, we've always had this from the beginning okay. as a, the functional side of it. Um, we've changed our messaging a little bit more since the, you know, pandemic mm -hmm. and everything, because obviously it's, you know, it's, it's much more top of mind before we struggled with, is the consumer even going to know what an antioxidant is? Right. You know? right. So that was the challenge mm -hmm. that, and then to this day, it's still a little bit of a conversation, yeah. right? But yeah. now it's so much more, right. you know, <laughs> it's kind of like the early days of electrolytes, right? Electrolyte. Yeah. What's an electrolyte? Why do I need an electrolyte, et cetera? But unless you're an athlete or an elite athlete, you kind of knew, and then it's trickled now down to everybody that, that helps with hydration. So it's kind of the same thing with antioxidants. There's so many, so many folks, you know, talking about it and, and, and having it, and then, the one of the things that we really like about having our green tea and using this as that foundation is because we have unlocked that taste and it really provides function. Most companies start with, you know, water or an empty, you know, empty formulation, right? And they start adding in the benefit things that they want to add and then they have to solve the flavor to make it make it work for the taste, et cetera. We start the other way around. We start with a functional element and say, okay, now how do we make that functional element really work for the consumer without losing that functional piece, right? And how do we increase the functional piece, as a matter of fact? So we've made sure that our spec that we get is proprietary to us, but it really delivers the high level of antioxidants that, that your body needs and, and can consume and not sacrificing that to a bad taste or a um, more or less a bitter taste. And 
The consumer can have a little bit of water or a lot of water. We've got customers that buy and put two of these in a gallon of water and they drink it all day long. And it's just their <laughs> way because they get tired of drinking water or whatever. So there's yeah. there's a million ways that you can do this. I prefer closer to 16 or 15 ounces of water personally. Um, and uh, and then I've had other folks that, you know, 20 ounces is perfect for me. I'm like, hey, each your own. <laughs> right. I mean, how many times have we had a beverage or a juice or something where it's like, oh my gosh, it's so thick or yeah. just, you know, I got to cut it and <laughs> yes and if you're giving an, that consumer that option right right and very interesting cool all right coming up uh a little less uh about the company a little bit more about doug as we dive into some personal questions right after this culture starts at the top and great customer experience, the only competitive strategy in today's world, is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. The One Thing Customer Experience from the Top is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found. Okay, Doug, uh, this is where we get to know you. Uh, it's such an interesting company. You're in an interesting space, but you're probably an interesting guy, too. Uh, let's find out. <laughs> let's find out how interesting, I should say. Um, uh, so, Rebecca, do you have one queued up, or would you like me to fire away first? I've got one queued up. Um, all right. So I've got a little bit of a travel bug going on, um, but also kind of where we're all sitting. Where did you grow up? And if I were to go and visit, what would you recommend I do when I go there? Well, I grew up in Michigan and uh, a little town um, south of Ann Arbor. So there's really not much to do when you go there. <laughs> so I don't necessarily would recommend that. But uh, but as far as, you know, I, I grew up not far from Ann Arbor and Detroit area, and there's a tremendous amount to do, obviously, with the university and the Detroit area. And Detroit's having such a revival, most of it since I've left. But <laughs> <laughs> we did live outside Detroit for a while as well. So. It, there's something very special about Detroit, Michigan people. I work for one and we've hired a few and um it's nice because they're very big town small town still very pro um about how how detroit is coming back and and rooting for them all the time which i think is fantastic yeah i mean when when i left uh to come to chicago it was about the time when like the highest exodus was leaving the state um and it wasn't it was the auto industry was kind of on its tailspin, right. you know, before right before the bailout. And the city has been run into the ground. And we didn't, we never lived in the city, but it was, you know, it was it was really bad. And then Illich, you know, of the Little Caesars family invested a lot and some others. And and it just takes time to redevelop things like that. And, you know, I live in Chicago now and you think about the magnificent lakefront of the city and the skyline. And then you go to Detroit and it's like, oh, they put casinos on their river. Oh, they put the Joe Louis Arena on their river. They block the view of the river. I mean, it's like it's the total opposite of how you kind of build this. And, you know, that doesn't change overnight. And uh, and now it seems to be, you know, 
I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there every day. I have a lot of friends in the area. I, I do track things from, from that area. And, um, it was tough when I came here, like young kids, I'm like, man, how's my son going to grow up a, a Detroit fan in Chicago, like the arch rival of every division of everything. And, and, uh, and yeah, now we're here. Here you are. <laughs> and, very interesting, by the way. And you're right. Urban planning is a problem, a, a slow ship to turn, uh, just kind of yeah. like real estate. So, but, um, but very cool. All right. So uh, I'd like to know, uh, during this fantastic pandemic, see, I talked about it, Rebecca, during our <laughs> pandemic, uh, we always have one time, it seems to sneak We tried in, not to talk it about it when it first happened, what, and it, yeah, every it, what, time it, we'd be like, and then the pandemic. It, <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't about me filling a hole here, Rebecca. I just, it was relevant to my question. So knowing we are all in a pandemic, um, and talking about, you know, trying to treat your body well, aside Aside from um, your product, Doug, uh, what else have you and uh, I don't know if you have a family or, or married, whatever, what, what have you done to try to make sure that you and your family stay as healthy as possible in a time when either we're, we're more inside or the stress level is higher or you know, we're just not able to do as many active activities, if that's true, depending on where you live? So how, what have, what have you guys done? Yeah. You know, it's been tough, right? It's tough on everybody. And it's, and, uh, it's tough when you're building a company like this, where literally you could work around the clock as well. Um, so even though I'm com- not comfy gaming chair, you yeah, thing, right? even though I'm not traveling <laughs> and meeting as many people as I had prior to this, it's it just, I've always through my career have always found work to do. Like I always get myself into more projects and more things. And it's not people asking me to do things. It's like, Hey, this should be looked at and things like that. So it's really no different here, but from a family standpoint, the most important piece is trying to carve out time, right? You know, make it more of a schedule and make it more. I mean, when the weather is nice, you know, we're somewhat athletic as a, as a family, at least my kids are more so. And, uh, you know, we, we get them out to do stuff, you know, they're, they're in high school. So it's harder because they, this is really hard on high school kids because they want to be more social and, you know, et cetera. But it's really about carving out some time to, to really do that, whether it's a game night or whether it's movie night or, or whether it's something that I can get them away from their own individual things and, and get them back together. Um, you know, I'm jealous of a couple of friends that actually took this very serious and uh, they, they dressed up in themes and, you know, it, it was really good. I, I, I'm like, man, we should have done stuff like that. <laughs> But that's the that's the answer. It's like really kind of get people together and um and and drive you know some some bonding kind of activities, whether it's working out or going for a run or and bonding has its own its own health ads from a mental wellness standpoint to releasing you know different hormones and so forth that your endorphins and so forth that you know all contribute to health in their own ways. So. Yeah. Uh, great. So, Doug, how can people connect with the brand? And knowing this is a business-to-business podcast uh, for potential strategic partners or retailers, how can they connect with you, even you directly? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we can be reached at drinkrebellious.com. Uh, as the consumer front end of that. We also have a link down there for uh, affiliates or for our B2B site uh, at the bottom of it. Uh I can be through there. We have a contact form. You can, you can reach out to, um, you know, uh, support or Amanda at drink rebellious myself, Doug at drink rebellious.com, uh, as well as, uh, LinkedIn, um, you can find Great. me on LinkedIn. So awesome. it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of ways to find us. That's for sure. So. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, uh, Doug Dumars, uh, thank you so much for 
sharing your rebellious story, if you will. Uh, and I love how it truly is a rebellious product because it's really carving out its own path, doing its own thing, finding its own place, and doing a great job, great start. I think you have a lot of stories to tell. Thank you very much. Uh, as time goes on. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, everybody check it out, drinkrebellious.com, yes? Uh, so uh, thanks again, Doug, and uh, thank you all for listening. We sure do appreciate it. Uh, Rebecca and I will just be talking to ourselves if you weren't here, and uh, and that's not that, that's that's lots of fun, Rebecca. <laughs> but it's great when there's other people in the, joining us, and so thank you for doing that, and thank you, Rebecca, as always. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Doug. Until next time, I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. Bye bye. This has been Retail is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Audio for business.